0: Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tats Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Robert Salvador. He's the
1: CEO of DigiBuild.
0: So, Robert, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here and looking forward to chatting with you.
0: Yeah. So I got a chance to look through your background. You have quite a diverse background.
1: Yes, yes. I've uh, stayed busy, I guess. I always like to call myself a little bit of a nerd. So yeah, that uh, that nerd has come out in multiple different ways, it seems.
0: So, I mean, what were your interests growing up when you said, you know, like, were you into technology in the early days or other
1: things? Yeah, I mean, I've always been very into tech. When I was younger, I played a lot of sports. So obviously, you know, growing up, playing outside, all that standard kid stuff. But I guess what wasn't as standard, you know, for me was a lot of my childhood was running around construction job sites and, you know, working on job sites with my dad. So I've always been doing that. So it's always kind of been in my blood. And then, you know, being a younger person in construction from a young age, I guess I was always more tech forward. So in general, growing up, I was, I enjoyed, you know, video games and, you know, the newest technology as it was coming out. I had the iPhone literally three days after the first iPhone came out. I think that was 2007 or something like that. So I, well, I wouldn't call myself like full techie. I think there's people who are more techie than me compared to most, especially in the construction industry. I've definitely, you know, had tech in my background and You know, that's how I came to be where I am today, I guess.
0: Yeah. So, and you spent some time, your dad actually had a contractor firm and then you started one. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I worked for my dad throughout the years. He had a drywall contracting firm and, you know, he was as good as it gets in the field. You know, when it comes to building something, you know, managing a job, doing all the stuff that, you know, the trades do, my dad was second to none. Unfortunately, as we all know, construction is a lot more than that. You know, the construction management piece, the financials piece, everything else it takes besides just the physical building. And that's where my dad really struggled. You know, he didn't really have uh, education. He kind of came from a bad area. So throughout the years, I would watch him be successful for a couple months on on a job and then things would go wrong. So throughout the years, obviously, I gained a lot of construction experience. Then I went to work for Procter & Gamble for a little while as a market leader and really got a lot of like back-end business experience. So about a decade ago, I came back to my dad and I said, listen, I'm going to start a company. Come work for me. I'll hire you to run operations and we'll do this together. So yeah, that was about 10 years ago and it was a successful endeavor for us. And, you know, can't complain. It's worked out pretty well.
0: Yeah. So what made you go into consumer products? Because that's completely different, right?
1: Yeah. So, you know, after the 2008 financial crisis, as you know, you know, construction was hit pretty hard. So the developer I was working for at the time, I think this was a couple, you know, two years after the global financial crisis or something like that, the developer went out of business. And so I actually had, you know, kind of a time where I was, you know, jobless looking for a new position. So I ended up seeing a role, you know, a management role at Procter & Gamble that even though it was a different market, kind of intersected with a lot of the estimating and project management I had done in construction. So that's when I went to work for p and I met my current co-founder, April. So April was the executive I reported to at p So she was actually an early mentor of mine. I learned a ton of her on the sales side. And then throughout the years, we stayed in touch. And when I started DigiBuild, she called me up and said, what are you doing? And now she's a co-founder and COO at DigiBuild.
0: Sure. Absolutely. So before we go on to your, you know, growing your own construction business, what, what was one what or two really key things you learned at p and
1: So I just think just the way they have controls of their operations, you know, so in construction, we have project controls in consumer goods and packaging and, you know, products, they have inventory controls and, you know, different types of controls on their products. So I would just say the way that everything had a process, and the way everything had a control was definitely something that I looked at construction. And I said, okay, you know, even though we're dealing with different products and different goods and services at the end of the day, having that tight control and understanding all the different things that are happening, whether it's, you know, with your labor costs, with your material costs, you know, with your scheduling, all of that is so important. You know, the more control you have, the less risk you have. And I think P does a good job of that being such a big, sophisticated organization. And that's really, you know, I took a lot of those lessons to construction. And You yeah. know, we manage certain things in a, a similar way.
0: Yeah. So when you had your own firm, you know, it was the first time running your own firm. What were your learnings there?
1: Oh, where do I start? I learned that construction is very difficult. I already knew that. But, you know, being, I guess, the, um, the last line of defense, owning the firm, you know, that was definitely a first for me. You know, obviously I've always had the greatest respect, you know, for people who are in construction for, you know, whether the people in the actual trades or whether the, you know, construction managers or the owners running the project. So always had that respect. I think it just really solidified it a lot more and really made me realize just how many hats you have to wear in construction to be a good construction manager. Again, I already knew some of that, but before owning my own company, I was kind of in one position at a company. I'd be an estimator or a project manager or a business development manager. When I started owning and running my own operation, I wore every single different hat, right? I was the business development manager. I was the estimator. I was the project manager. I was the attorney. I was the, you know, everything, all the above. So definitely have a ton of respect for people who operate in the construction industry. And honestly, as different as construction is from where I am now on the tech side, in my opinion, prepared me to be a tech founder and tech CEO, because I don't think there are many things more difficult than managing a construction company. And many of those lessons translate very well to managing a tech company as well.
0: Sure. What facilitated that change? Like you you, you ran this company for a while, you stopped. I mean, what was the reason? And you're, you're doing something else now? What was the thought there?
1: Sure. You know, so again, being a younger person in the industry throughout the years, I always knew that technology was going to come along and change things a lot. You know, if you look at, and I had looked at every other industry grow and evolve into technology, whether it's even old school things like banking, right. Or even going to Walmart, you have a self checkout. So I knew that eventually construction would make similar changes using technology. And obviously, again, I was, you know, pretty comfortable using technology. So one was just recognize the pain point and the demand for it. I go, there's so many things that are going to be changed by tech in this industry. And the other was just, I think, the bandwidth and how much I was putting out versus how much you can get back in construction. We were successful. We were making money. But I look and I, I, I said to myself, in 25 years, you know what does this look like? I could make a bunch more money. I could continue to expand the construction company. But then I looked at tech. And I just kind of said, there's something we can really do to improve the industry. You know, I wasn't really improving the industry as a construction person. I was building things and it was great, but I wasn't improving the broader industry. So I just had a vision and a hunger to do more. And there was just such an opportunity with tech in construction. And I had been on the forefront of construction and used so much tech that it was just a synergy that decided was, you know, was worthwhile. So I'll always be a builder at heart. But, you know, the tech allows me to make a much bigger difference in the industry. And that's what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah. And it was it just like one day you decide to do? Is it something that was kind of eating away at you slowly and you're kind of working on it on the side? How did that look?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, DigiBuild Now has been around for five years. But what I always tell people is the first two and a half years, we were part time. Just putting ideas together, you know, for the first two and a half years, I was still fully running construction. And DigiBuild was just my job from 11 o'clock at night till one in the morning, right? Putting together a business plan, you know, brainstorming ideas, looking at some other things. So yeah, it's really the last two and a half years that all the momentum customers, investors has happened for DigiBuild. So those first two and a half years, it was definitely, you know, moonlighting and doing double duty. And, you know, again, luckily what DigiBuild does is right in the construction where I, you know, spent all my time. So it wasn't too much of a transition. You know, it was just kind of, you know, different parts of the market. But yeah, definitely was doing both for a while. Kept me busy. Yeah, for sure.
0: And then, you know, you attracted the interest of uh, Y uh, Combinator. What was their interest? What what did they see in what you were doing?
1: Sure. You know, so YC is great at, you know, looking at technology, looking at markets and seeing where they'll be disrupted. You know, YC has, I think it's 60 unicorns, you know, companies that are worth at least a billion dollars. And I think in total, I just read that their holdings are worth $500 billion right now. So why well, see our masters at looking at a market that can be disrupted and finding the companies that will disrupt the market? And what they saw was construction is a massive industry, one of the biggest, oldest industries in the world, that is still very much at the beginning of the transformation into technology and software. So they saw you know, that we had the experience in the industry. They saw that we were solving pain points that mattered they saw that we knew how to bring the technology to the industry. You know, it's one thing to build technology. That's it's not easy, but many people can do that. It's another thing to get the market to take it and use that. And so I think what YC saw was our ability to not only build the product, but also we know the industry, we come from the industry. So our ability to bring that product to market. So yeah, yeah. Y Combinator is obviously incredible. And, you know, I would recommend them to any company, Anyone trying to build a major company?
0: Yeah, for sure. What's the main problem you're trying to solve with uh, the technology you have?
1: Sure. So you know, in construction, whether you're a general contractor or an owner, real estate developer, we spend so much money, time, effort, and risk managing and procuring building material. So as you know, construction is a $11 trillion industry globally. Around 30% of that spend is all on building materials, managing it, procuring them, tracking them to the job site, interacting with other stakeholders. So, you know, in an industry where we have small margins, where we're trying to improve in so many different ways, the most consistent reason that these projects finish late or over budget is supply chain issues. And so basically what DigiBuild does is helps to solve those supply chain issues for contractors and owners. High level, We'll help them find material, we'll help them order it, we'll help them track and manage that material, and then we'll capture data around all that material for them to make better decisions for the next time. So supply chain is a very big part of what we do as construction managers and builders, and it's really one of those workflows that hasn't been solved yet. And so that's what DigiBuild does, helps them find, order, manage, track, and capture data around building material. Yeah, what
0: type of individuals do you have to get buy on? Uh, bu- sorry, buy buy in on. Like, where where are the uh, the points that you really have to get uh, adoption?
1: Sure. So it really depends on the company and the company size and type. As you know, construction's very siloed. There's so many different types of contractors, builders. So we normally sell to at least mid-size or above companies. So 50 million or above are typically our customers, but we have some smaller customers than that too. Really. If it's a $200 million or a $100 million company, there's usually a VP of operations or um, some sort of VP of construction who is the one who brings in the technology and you know, we work with. Talking to much bigger companies, you know we work with some of the biggest general contractors in the country like BCC Construction, Hensel Phelps. Normally with them, it's kind of a multi-pronged enterprise sales process. So you go in through the innovation leader, and then they'll take you to a project manager who will pilot you then the innovation leader takes you to the CFO or a VP of operations who gives the final blessing you know to bring the software or the technology in at a, a bigger scale so i think construction's still figuring out like the processes many of these companies are just bringing on their first innovation leader or technology leader so we'll usually sell to an executive of some sort but one of the things that makes us really unique is our software doesn't really care about what the material type or the size of the company is. We can order with a drywall subcontractor the same way a real estate developer can order you know, a Google Nest thermostat with us. Our software is agnostic to what is being ordered or managed. So it allows us to really manage workflows for many of the different stakeholders, whether you're a subcontractor a general contractor or a real estate developer. So we have customers who are each of those stakeholders, the biggest real estate developers, the biggest general contractors. And then we also work with, you know, mid-sized subcontractors. Yeah. And
0: how's that, you know, and I haven't dug into how, what your tool software, you know, works exactly, but you know, how's the interface with, you know, different companies, technologies or, you know, processes, how, how's the interface there? Is there friction, any friction there?
1: No, so I mean, we provide integrations with some of the major, you know, accounting softwares and other project management software. So things like maybe QuickBooks and then Procore, we integrate with so that, you know, that's becoming a necessity right now in construction and construction technology. It's went from construction has no technology to a lot of people realize construction need technology. And now we have a ton of startups, a ton of companies in the industry. So you're getting kind of software that's starting to overlap. And the end users in construction, as you know, are very unsophisticated. So we can't expect them to learn five or six or seven different interfaces. So with many of the software that are out there, so companies will use us for their supply chain, that data will flow into you know Procore Financials or QuickBooks or some other integration so that we're not asking them to use DigiBuild and six other different softwares. So I do think as a whole, you're going to really see a lot of consolidation with integrations in construction. But then we also have probably 60% of our customers use us by itself, build by itself, you know, just to manage their supply chain and material. So we can do either one.
0: So essentially, you know, depending on who you deal with, you just try to take that workload off of them. So if, if you notice that they're doing things a certain way, what can you do to bring it in so that there's minimum sort of training and and sort of disruption on it end, right? That's what you're doing?
1: Exactly. Like the UI UX is very simple. It's, you know, very familiar to what they deal with today. And a lot of the actions that they take, you know, because us at DigiBuild, we come from the construction industry. We know what these users are doing on a daily basis. So a lot of our workflows are made to not disturb them. So they can get an email and they can can be an email without even opening up our platform. And that transaction will go through our platform, get where it needs to go. The reason for that is you think about the project manager, the end user who's using us, they have 50 different things they're doing, right? They have to talk to the roofing contractor, then they have to talk to you know their project engineer, then their architect. The last thing they want to have to do in order to, you know, let's say place a material order is fire up DigiBuild, find the right quote, click all these different things. No, you'll get one notification, this is the quote you wanted. It's ready. Click this button. Don't even open our, you know, just click it in your email and we'll do it. So yes, exactly. We try to make it as low friction as possible because we know just how burdened all of these builders are nowadays. And we're trying to take that burden off of them. Yeah. Yeah. How
0: do you get the word
1: out there? What what are, you, what are you doing? Yeah. So, I mean, as many, you know, of you and your audience may see, we're really big on LinkedIn. You know, we create a lot of content, try and add value to the industry. So between both LinkedIn and Twitter, we have a, very big brand recognition there. We're becoming, you know, DigiBuild's becoming known as the trusted supply chain solution for contractors and owners. For the customers who aren't digital, who aren't on LinkedIn or Twitter, we're very active on the conference circuit. So we go to conferences, we speak on many of the panels and, you know, expert things on supply chain. And then obviously, as you know, in construction, it has a great network effect, right? When DigiBuild is used on a construction project, you're exposed to 50 other contractors or stakeholders who might be able to use DigiBuild. So, you know, we get a general contractor like BCC construction uses us on their project and then goes to all their subcontractors and says, Hey, you guys need to use this too. This is going to save you money and manage risk and reduce risk for both of us. So yeah, I think the big three are digital realms like LinkedIn conferences and then just word of mouth and relationships on other construction projects. As you know, even though we're moving forward, Construction still very relationship-based.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, you mentioned something really interesting. I never thought of Twitter as an avenue to, to grow in construction. Is that the case? I actually haven't noticed that.
1: So there's actually a, a growing part of Twitter called Retwit, which is known as real estate, real estate Twitter. And you're seeing, especially on like the real estate developer owner side, there's a bunch of contractors there too but it's becoming a hidden gem because, you know, obviously Twitter is much more short form. So you get like many more daily nugget or like hourly nuggets from big real estate developers, you know, threads and things like that. So for knowledge, it's great. I wouldn't say it's my, in my personal opinion, it's not as big as LinkedIn yet. Right. Like LinkedIn's the main medium for like construction to real estate, but it's definitely a growing sector on Twitter and it's much less, I guess, busy than LinkedIn is. As you know, LinkedIn has messages flying left and right. Like you log in one day, there's a hundred different messages trying to sell you something. Twitter doesn't have that. So there's a lot more personal messaging and things happening in construction and real estate right now. So I hope I'm not giving up a secret, but (laughs) to anyone watching, yes, real estate Twitter is a goldmine.
0: That's awesome. For sure. I mean, any other tips? I mean, you started, you know, construction You started a you know, technology company. I mean, you've seen both now. I mean, any tips for people that, you know, have a vision that they want to start something? I know you were doing it part-time. Any Anything that you, you know now that uh, you wish you knew before?
1: Oh man, where do I even start? <laughs> I think, first of all, just saying, you know, if you want to build something, I always like, you know, the side hustle route first, at least to start, you know, so you have your day job, then you slowly build something up at night, the best way to do it, because you're not, you know, you're taking risks, but you're not taking stupid risk, And you're preparing yourself to launch, you know, when you're ready. Whereas if you quit your job and just start something new, then you're like, Oh, my God, I have to launch now or else I'm screwed. So I, I am a fan of kind of moonlighting, you know, construction being an example, you know, become a project manager at a nice firm, and then build your your software at night, you know, start, start slower, start with your ideas, I would definitely say whether it's construction or anything else it's so important to know your market. And construction is very unique in that, right? You know, you mentioned Y Combinator earlier. Y Combinator has built this blueprint for creating successful startups and there's no one better than them. But that blueprint doesn't necessarily work as well for an industry like construction because construction is just very unique. Like I said earlier, relationships are still big. It's, it's super siloed compared to most industries. So what I had to do, what we had to do at DigiBuild was take the messaging from Y Combinator, take the good stuff, take all the stuff that we need to learn and then apply it to construction specifically. Because there's just things that didn't work for construction, right? Like, you know, in some markets, cold calls are great. In construction, you cold call a project manager who's walking a job site, you'll get a lot of four letter words, right? They're too busy for that. So again, I guess the point I'm making there is understand your market because if you truly understand your market, then you can take other pieces of knowledge and use that in the way that's the most efficient for you in the market you're coming from. So yeah, I mean that's one of the biggest things is go our go-to-market strategy, the first two and a half years we didn't know what we were doing. And then you know launching product sooner rather than later, you know, the standard startup, you know, whether it's startup or whether it's a construction company, you know, you always want to launch your product, you know, earlier or as soon as you can to start getting feedback, start hearing what are you doing right? What are you doing wrong? So Yeah. Learned a ton and, um, you know, love the entrepreneur life and, you know, happy that I get to do it in construction.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Is there anything that I didn't ask you, but you wanted to share?
1: No, I mean, I think, you know, I'm definitely excited about where construction and real estate technology is going, especially, you know, for subcontractors, you know, roofing contractors, as we know are, you know, a very big part of the industry, but haven't gotten all that tech yet. I think all I would just say is, you know, for people not to be afraid of technology, there's always that worry about, you know, switching costs and is this going to eliminate jobs and at the end of the day we've seen it for thousands of years. Technology empowers people to do things better. It empowers organizations to do things better more efficiently. So, bringing in a software like DigiBuild, it's not going to, you know, change processes so much that it ruins a company or displace people who, you know, work for you. It's going to help you make more money, reduce risk so less bad things happen, improve outcomes for clients. And so I think it's important that the construction industry realizes that we're building bigger, we're building more expensive, we're building more than ever, but we also have to start being more efficient, more successful than ever. And so I would just encourage, you know, anyone in the industry to adopt technology, look at technology, it will improve both our builds and our lives as builders. So that's what I would say.
0: Yeah, perfect. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes.